GCSE Physics Audio, Forces and Motion by KScience.com. A vector quantity has both magnitude, size, and magnitude. Whereas a scalar quantity only has magnitude, size. Distance is a scalar quantity because it only has magnitude but no direction. Displacement is a vector quantity because it has both magnitude and direction. Speed is a magnitude quantity because it only has magnitude but no direction. Velocity is a vector quantity because it has both magnitude and direction. Energy is a magnitude quantity because it only has magnitude but no direction. Acceleration is a vector quantity because it has both magnitude and direction. Mass is a scalar quantity because it only has magnitude but no direction. Weight is a vector quantity because it has both magnitude and direction. Distance is a scalar quantity because it only has magnitude but no direction. Displacement is a vector quantity because it has both magnitude and direction. If you walk 200 meters away from your starting point you can identify the distance, but not your displacement because no direction is stated. If you walk 300 meters east away from your starting point you can identify the distance and your displacement, because the direction is stated. Work done is the energy transferred when a force moves an object through a distance. Work done is the same as saying energy transferred. When you push, pull, or lift something, you are overcoming frictional forces such as friction or the object's weight due to gravity. The formula that links work done force applied to an object and distance is work done equals force x distance. The unit for work done is joules, j. The unit for force is newtons, n. The unit for distance is meters, m. Work done is another way of saying energy transferred. An example of doing work is when you push a box and cause it to move. There is work being done due to an energy transfer from the chemical energy store of the person into the kinetic energy store of the box. Another example of doing work is when a car breaks and slows down. There is kinetic energy stored of the moving wheels. When the brakes are applied, there is friction between the brakes and the wheels. Therefore there is a transfer of energy from the kinetic energy store of the wheels to the thermal energy stores of the brakes and the surroundings. This causes the car to decrease its speed. Newton's first law of motion states that an object will remain stationary or move at a constant velocity if there is no resultant force acting on it. If a resultant force acts on an object, the object will change its speed or direction. If an object is stationary, there is no resultant forces acting on it. If a resultant force acts on a stationary object it will accelerate which means to speed up. If a moving object has no resultant force acting on it, it will move in the same direction at the same speed, which is the same as saying the same velocity. If a resultant force acts on a moving object it will slow down, speed up, or change direction. Newton's second law states that if you apply a resultant force to a mass it will accelerate. The resultant force acting on an object is directly proportional to acceleration of the object. The greater the resultant force the greater the acceleration of the object. The mass of an object is inversely proportional to the acceleration of the object. The greater the mass of the object the smaller the acceleration of that object.
The equation that describes Newton's second law is force equals mass x acceleration. The unit for mass is kilograms, the unit for force is newtons, and the unit for acceleration is meters per second squared. Newton's third law of motion states that when two objects interact, the forces they exert on each other are equal and opposite. So if someone is pushing against a wall, there will an equal and opposite force acting back on her. The force acting back on her from the wall is called a normal contact force. The two forces are the same size. So if she is exerting a 100N force on the wall, the wall's force acting back on her is 100N in the opposite direction. The formula that links speed, distance and time is, distance equals speed x time. The unit for distance is meters, m. The unit for time is seconds, s. The unit for speed is meters per second, m slash s. The equation that links acceleration, final velocity, initial velocity and time is, acceleration equals, final velocity, initial velocity, divided by time. The unit for initial and final velocity is meters per second, meter per second. The unit for acceleration is meters per second 2, m slash s2. The unit for time is seconds, s. Final velocity, initial velocity is the same as saying change in velocity. Acceleration is how quickly an object's velocity changes. A positive change in velocity is called acceleration. A negative change in velocity is called deceleration. To calculate the acceleration of an object using a velocity v-time graph, you firstly identify the initial velocity of the object, and then the final velocity of the object. You then identify the time it took for the object to change its velocity. You will then recall the equation, acceleration equals, final velocity, initial velocity, divided by time. This will give you the acceleration of the object with the unit m slash s2. To calculate the distance an object has traveled using a velocity v time graph you must calculate the area under the graph. You would firstly divide the graph into rectangles, squares and triangles. The area under a triangle is the distance an object moved while it was accelerating or decelerating. To calculate the distance traveled by an object while it was changing velocity, you would use the equation base x height divided by 2. The area under a rectangle or square is the distance an object moved while it was moving at a constant velocity. To calculate the distance traveled by an object while it was traveling at a constant velocity, you would use the equation base x height. When a skydiver falls out of a plane, they accelerate from an initial velocity of 0 meters per second to an increased velocity. The skydiver accelerates because they have a resultant force acting on them. They accelerate because the force of weight acting on them in a downwards direction is larger than the frictional force of air resistance acting against them. The larger the resultant force acting on them the larger their acceleration. The smaller the resultant force acting on the skydiver, the lower their acceleration. When their weight is equal to the frictional force of air resistance there is no longer a resultant force acting on them, so they are moving at a constant velocity. We call this the skydiver's terminal velocity. When driving a car, a time might come when you must apply the brakes with a maximum force during an emergency. The time between seeing the hazard and applying the brakes is your reaction time.
The distance you travel during your reaction time is the thinking distance. Once the brakes have been applied with a maximum force, the car will begin to decelerate, which means to slow down. The distance the car travels while the brakes are applied is the car's braking distance. The thinking distance plus the braking distance is the car's stopping distance. The faster the car is traveling, the larger the car's thinking and braking distance, and therefore its overall stopping distance. The faster the car is moving, the larger the car's braking distance. If brakes are worn, then there is less friction between the brakes and the wheel. If there is less friction between the wheels and brakes, there will be less energy transferred from the kinetic energy store of the wheel to the thermal energy store of the brakes and surroundings. This means the car's braking distance will increase. Oil spills, water, or ice will increase the braking distance of the car, and even cause the car to skid due to reduced friction between the wheels of the car and road. If you drink alcohol, take drugs, or are tired your reaction times will increase. If you see a hazard and need to apply the brakes in an emergency, the distance you travel between seeing the hazard and applying the brakes is the thinking distance. If you're drunk or tired, and your reaction times are slower, you will travel a further distance before you apply the brakes. Being drunk doesn't affect the car's thinking distance, but it will increase the overall stopping distance of the car. If an object is stationary, it has no velocity, or momentum, but if the object moves it now has velocity, or momentum. All objects have matter so have mass. So all moving objects that have mass and velocity will have momentum. Momentum is a vector quantity because it has size, magnitude, and direction. The formula for momentum is, momentum equals mass x velocity. Rearrange the formula for mass, mass equals momentum divided by velocity. Rearrange the formula for velocity, velocity equals momentum divided by mass. The unit for mass is, kg. The unit for velocity is, meter per second. The unit for momentum is, kg meter per second. GCSE Physics Audio, Waves by kscience.com Waves transfer energy. A transverse wave is when the oscillations of particles are perpendicular to the direction of energy transfer. A longitudinal wave is when the oscillations of particles are parallel to the direction of energy transfer. The area of rarefaction in a longitudinal wave is where the particles are furthest apart. The area of compression in a longitudinal wave is where the particles are closest together. The amplitude of a wave is the maximum displacement of a point on a wave from its undisturbed position. The wavelength of a wave is the distance from a point on a wave to the next equivalent point on the next wave. The wavelength of a wave can be the distance from one peak to the next peak on the adjacent wave, or from the trough of a wave to the next trough, or from the undisturbed position to the next undisturbed position on the next wave. To calculate the frequency of a wave if you have the number of wavelengths and the time, you divide the number of wavelengths that pass a certain point by the time taken for them to pass the point. The unit for frequency is hertz, hertz. If 100 wavelengths pass a point in 2 seconds, you divide 100 by 2. This gives you an answer of 50 hertz. The period of a wave is the time it takes for a full cycle of the wave to be completed. The frequency is the number of complete waves passing a point every second.
the unit for period is seconds, s. The unit for frequency hertz, hertz. The equation that links period and frequency is period equals 1 divided by frequency. Rearrange the equation for frequency. Frequency equals 1 divided by period. The frequency is the number of complete waves passing a point every second. The speed of a wave is how fast the wave is traveling. The wavelength is the distance from one point on a wave to the next adjacent point. The equation that links wave speed, wavelength and frequency is, wave speed, meter per second, equals wavelength, m, x frequency hertz. Rearrange the equation for frequency, frequency, hertz, equals wave speed, meter per second, divided by wavelength, m. Rearrange the equation for wavelength, wavelength, m, equals wave speed, meter per second, divided by frequency, hertz. A light ray can both refract through a surface as well as reflect off the surface. Light rays can also just reflect off a surface without refracting. The normal line is drawn 90 degrees to the boundary. The light ray that approaches the boundary is called the incident ray. The point the incident ray hits the boundary is called the point of incidence. The light ray that reflects from the point of incidence on the boundary is called the reflected ray. The angle of incidence is the angle from the incident ray to the normal. The angle of reflection is the angle from the reflected ray to the normal. The law of reflection, angle of reflection equals the angle of incidence. Waves can reflect differently depending on the surface of the boundary they hit. Specular reflection is when parallel waves are reflected from a smooth surface in a single direction. An example of specular reflection is when light reflects off a mirror and you get a clear reflection. The angle of incidence and reflection is the same for each parallel wave. Diffuse reflection is when parallel waves are reflected by a rough surface in many different directions. The angle of incidence is equal to angle of reflection for each different ray, but the angle of incidence is different for each ray, which is why you don't get a clear reflection. Light can travel through air and into glass. The boundary is the region where light travels from one material and into another material. Normal line is drawn at 90 degrees to the boundary. The light ray that approaches the boundary is called the incident ray. The angle from the incident ray to the normal is called the angle of incidence. When the light enters the new material and refracts, the light ray is called the refracted ray, and the new angle to the normal is called the angle of refraction. If a light ray enters moves into a more optically dense material from a less optically dense material, the light ray will refract and bend towards the normal. If a light ray enters moves from a more optically dense material into a less optically dense material, the light ray will refract and bend away from the normal. GCSE Physics Audio, Electromagnetic Spectrum by kscience.com The waves of the electromagnetic spectrum can also be called electromagnetic radiation. The waves of the electromagnetic spectrum are transverse waves, not longitudinal waves. Radio waves have the longest wavelengths and the shortest frequencies. Microwaves have the second longest wavelengths and the second shortest frequencies. Gamma have the shortest wavelengths but the highest frequencies. The other M waves are infrared, visible light, ultraviolet and X-rays. 
Radio waves are mainly used for TV and radio signals. Radio waves are sent out by transmitters and received by TV and radio receivers. Long-wave radio signals can travel long distances because they diffract around the curvature of the earth, around tall buildings and around hills. Short-wave radio signals can also travel long distances, but they don't diffract around the curvature of the earth. Instead, short-wave radio wave signals reflect off the ionosphere and then back down to earth and back up to the ionosphere. TV and FM aerial receivers must be in the line of sight of the signal transmitter. TV and FM signals don't diffract around hills or tall buildings. Microwaves are used for satellite communications, satellite television, and allowing us to access websites on the internet. Microwaves are transmitted from microwave transmitters. The microwave signal is transmitted through the Earth's atmosphere into space whereby a satellite will amplify the signal back down to Earth. A microwave receiver on the ground in the form of a satellite dish will receive the signal. Microwaves in microwave ovens transfer energy into the thermal energy stores of the water in the food. Energy is then transferred from the water's energy store into the food's thermal energy store. Radio waves are not dangerous because they don't transfer much energy, and they pass through tissue. Microwaves are dangerous because they can penetrate tissue cause internal heating of the tissue, which damages the tissue. Whereas infrared radiation doesn't penetrate tissue, heating only from the outside. Microwaves penetrate food and transfer energy into the thermal energy store of water molecules. There is then an energy transfer from the thermal energy store of the water molecules to the thermal energy stores of the food. Infrared radiation won't penetrate the food so will heat food more slowly. Infrared radiation is used in toaster, there is an energy transfer from the thermal energy store of the heating element to the thermal energy stores of the toast via infrared M wave. Infrared heaters use infrared radiation to transfer energy to the thermal energy store of the air particles. This causes the temperature of the room to increase. Infrared radiation doesn't penetrate tissue, heating only from the outside. Infrared radiation can damage cells by heating them. Ultraviolet radiation, X-rays and gamma rays are ionizing radiation, which means they ionize atoms in our cells. This can cause DNA mutations and damage cells. UV light can mutate DNA, which can lead to cancer. UV light can damage your eyes so you go blind, whereas visible light only damage eyes. GCSE Physics Audio, Magnetism and Electromagnetism by KScience.com A magnet has a magnetic field around it. A magnetic field is a region where magnets and wires carrying a current and magnetic materials experience a force acting on them which is a non-contact force. Magnetic fields can be represented by magnetic field lines, which are imaginary lines drawn around a magnet. These can be produced by placing a compass in a magnetic field, and the north pole of the compass magnet will point in the direction of north within the magnetic field the compass is in. The direction of the field lines show the direction of the force a north pole would feel in that field. All magnets have two poles, a north and south pole. Like poles will repel, and unlike poles will attract. The poles are where the magnetic fields are strongest. There are two types of magnet called permanent and induced magnets. 
Permanent magnets produce their own magnetic fields, whereas induced magnets do not produce their own magnetic fields, but are magnetic materials that will turn into a magnet when placed in a magnetic field. The force between an induced magnet and a permanent magnet is always a force of attraction between north and south. If you place an iron nail in the magnetic field of a permanent magnet's north pole, the region of the nail closest to the field will be a south pole, but the other end of the nail will be a north pole. If you remove the induced magnet out of the magnetic field it will quickly lose its magnetism. When a current flows through a wire, a magnetic field is generated around the wire. The magnetic field is formed of concentric circles which are perpendicular to the wire, with the wire at the center of the field. If there is no current flowing through the wire, a compass next to the wire will point in the direction of geographic north which is actually magnetic south. If there is a current flowing through the wire, a compass next to the wire will point in the direction of the magnetic field formed in concentric circles around the wire. To determine the direction of the magnetic field you can use the right hand rule, whereby your thumb points in the direction of the current, and your curled fingers in your fist points in the direction of the magnetic field. When you have a coil of wire and current flows through it, we call it a solenoid. When a current flows through the coiled wire a magnetic field is generated. The magnetic field lines inside a solenoid are strong and uniform and go in the same direction. The magnetic field lines outside the solenoid look like that of a bar magnet. The magnetic field lines go from north to south. If you increase the number of coils, the magnetic field's strength will increase. If the current flowing through the solenoid increases, the magnetic field's strength will increase. If you place a magnetic material like iron in a solenoid, it forms an electromagnet. If you place iron in a solenoid, the magnetic field's strength increases. If you take the iron out of the solenoid, the iron is no longer an induced magnet. The motor effect is when a current carrying wire in a magnetic field experiences a force. To experience the full force, the current carrying wire must be 90 degrees to the magnetic field. We can use Fleming's left hand rule to determine the direction of the force acting on the conductor in a magnetic field, whereby the first finger represents the direction of the magnetic field, the second finger represents the direction of the current, and the thumb represents the direction of the force. We then determine the direction of the magnetic field which goes from north to south, and the direction of the current which flows from positive to negative. If we orientate our left hand correctly, the thumb will point in the direction of the force.